Welcome to Between the Shelves, the premier Sable Library podcast. This is a What Are You Into episode, and joining me this week is Tori. Hello. Welcome back, Tori. Thank you for having me. So what are you into, Tori? I have a couple of things, so we can go back and forth. Sure. You want to start off? Um, I, I have a feeling our things are going to be very different. Um, the first thing that I am very into at the moment is a television show. Um, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I'm really into reality shows. And right now I'm really into a show on ABC that's called, or I think it's actually on CBS, a network television show called Claim to Fame. Are you familiar with it? I am not. Okay. I, it's, I keep talking about it. I can't, I can't move past it. So Claim to Fame, there's two seasons, and it's hosted by uh, Kevin Jonas and Frankie Jonas. And the concept of it is they get a bunch of people in a house together who are all related to a celebrity. And nobody knows what celebrity anybody else is related to. So they spend their time in the house trying to figure out who is everybody else related to and uh kicking out other people by guessing who they're related to until only one person is left and they win a hundred thousand dollars okay this this is ringing a bell for me now i might have seen a commercial for this so yeah it's great premise yes and the caliber of celebrity relatives that that's a weird way to phrase it i feel like but that they're able to get especially on the second season they're on season two has really been amazing uh and as a viewer trying to figure it out because i i consider myself a, a student of pop culture so trying to really rack my brain and figure out who's related to who is a lot of fun uh sometimes they will have people who are too young to recognize a celebrity on there and you're yelling at your tv like i don't want to say any spoilers but he's related to this 1970s famous man, how do you not know? It's it's a lot of fun to watch. I would be so bad at this show. I am so bad with this kind of stuff. The Masked Singer is another oh, like, yeah. show that's kind of like this. Mm-hmm. And I could never, ever get anybody. I don't know enough people. Like, And then once they start introducing like TikTok star X, so like yeah, that's not even fair. They do really focus on getting like actual, right. like at least B-list celebrities. Yeah. Um, for an example, like they've had um, somebody who's related to a U.S. president. They've had Oscar winning actors. They've had some sports people, like famous sports people. Um, the first season they had a, a plot point that went through the whole season that I enjoyed as a viewer who was part of this problem. They had somebody who was related to a country music star and they were getting so many hints about which star, but nobody else who was in the the house listened to country music so no matter how many clues they got no one could figure out who he was related to they they had voted out the one person who would have been able to help them so he made it all the way to the end of the season and still nobody knew who he was related to no oh, okay. no there was a there was a twist that okay. well i guess that is a spoiler so did they have to do like challenges and stuff too to like get they, more hints or they do and work? they're like silly mini game type things but but the winner will get like a a really good uh, clue in the form of like hieroglyphics that reveal something about a person and the games themselves will sometimes reveal like a, a clue or sometimes give you false information to throw you off the scent. So watching them scheme and lie to each other to try to figure out and, you know, con each other is, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, games like that or shows like that where you get to play along with the show are always a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Alex, what are you into lately? Let's see. I have a movie and a show. I guess I'll do the show next. Yeah. So uh, the show I'm into right now, just really, the it, it, third season just started. Uh, it's an HBO or a Max show now called How To with John Wilson. Mm. Do you 
watch this show? No, I don't, but I feel like I've heard about it recently. Tell me. Okay, so the premise of the show is it's a documentary-style show. It's half-an-hour episodes hosted by John Wilson, who was also the person behind the camera. And uh, basically, the episode starts with a simple prompt, like, how to clean your ears, or how to talk to people, or like how, you know, something very broad like that. And then... It's sort of like a video essay where he's sort of narrating as he goes. And it all takes place in New York City, or most of it takes place in New York City. And it's basically like a hilarious video essay documentary of him just exploring New York City, trying to answer that question the best way he can. And it always takes very unexpected turns the way he has like a a supernatural gift for just getting in awkward situations and meeting the craziest people you can imagine in New York City. So it always takes unexpected turns, but he always somehow manages to bring it back full circle at the end where he'll go off on a crazy tangent and, and end up at some meeting of weirdos somewhere, but he'll somehow tie it back into the, 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 original, the original prompt. Um, it's a hilarious show i like i there are very few shows that make me belly laugh out loud wow and this show does it consistently every single episode uh again it's short seasons each season is only six episodes so by the time this episode comes out i think episode four of the six will be out around there but you go back to season one they're not even in an order you can watch them out of order you can pick and choose but they're so funny. It's probably my, the best thing on TV right now. And I'm saying that not watching a lot of TV. But Besides claim to fame, obviously. Besides claim to fame. Do you have a favorite uh, thing that he explored throughout the few seasons? See, so the way the, he goes on so many tangents that it's hard to like remember what took place in what episode. So as I've been waiting for the next episode of season three to come out, I've been going back and starting from the beginning again. And the last one I just watched was how to split a bill or how to pay a bill. I forget what the prompt was exactly, but like, you know, how to split a bill. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a great episode. It goes off on some pretty crazy tangents. Um, Another episode from season one, that's probably the most talked about episode from season one is um, how to cover your furniture, I think is what the prompt is. And it starts with him like interviewing people who like put plastic, covers over their furniture and stuff and then it goes on a crazy tangent that i'm not going to spoil here but make sure you're watching this when your kids are asleep Ooh. and uh yeah it's definitely not a show to watch with uh it's a mature audience show it's not a sure. family friendly show not a family friendly show um but man it's such a good show it's a voyeurist dream so if you love that kind of stuff maybe if you're a reality tv show you might even like it uh, fan too so it sounds like a lot of fun yeah and it's a great show and like the art of the show is in the editing like he he has a a way of matching what he's shooting with what he's talking about where it just it's so hard to describe in an audio format but watch a trailer just youtube it if you're if you're even slightly curious it is so funny i feel like he's really tapping into something where there's going to be a lot of clones of the show oh, coming sure. out I, I thought I heard that this might be the last season, so I wouldn't be surprised if somebody kind of carried this torch after the show was gone. I, I don't know. There's something about this this show. I've never seen anything like it before, but it it's really tapping into something. I think it's it's hard to say, but 
I feel like we're in kind of like an era now where we're kind of past like voyeurism in, in reality TV where we're kind of going in like even further. We're like we're going into like real life, real life where like editing is sort of the medium now almost because we're all good at editing now on our phones with you know, we're always curating our own lives. Sure. I feel like editing all of reality like in he uses New York City as kind of like his his playground basically to just capture raw just the essence of the city and then you know uses edits it in a way to make it in his, this case funny but i don't know there's something to this show where it's going to be something we talk about in the future I the start of a cultural it. moment perhaps i think so it's a i can't talk highly enough about it mm. how to with john wilson check it out there's only like 18 episodes I they're, will be they're short for sure. so that's that's the first thing i'm into Back to Tori. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this has been done before, but I'm going to highlight one specific song that I've really been into. I go into this phase like maybe once a year where I really get into the song What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. It's an excellent song. I'll edit it so it's playing right now. Put back. a little clip in there. Um, the, the song came out in uh, 1979, and it was written by Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins. We've got Alex dancing to a phantom song at the moment. Um and it's just such a delightful uh, combination of parts. It like that come in, come together into a perfect song. I think um, the Michael McDonald era of the Doobie Brothers is very distinct in the way that it sounded. And so he's got. He famously would be hired by lots of people to do background vocals on their songs because he was such a talented vocalist. And he's got this amazing falsetto that's layered and layered and layered on top of it itself. And these jangly synths during the whole song. It's cheerful and jaunty. The lyrics are kind of deep. Uh, what a fool believes. No wise man has the power to reason away. But with a jaunty tune going on in the background, he's saying that. And I will just get into these moods, which I'm in right now, where I will listen to that song multiple times a day, every day. And I can't recommend it enough. And to sort of tie it into uh, a previous episode of the podcast where we were talking about podcasts, uh, every time that I get into my What a Fool Believes mood, uh, there's an episode of a podcast I really enjoy called Punch Up the Jam where they focused on this song uh, and sort of pulled it apart and examined it piece by piece. Uh, Usually they would talk about songs that they didn't like, but they loved this song. Uh, and then they... No notes. No notes. All of their notes were, this song's amazing, and we don't want to stop listening to it to talk about it. We just want to keep playing. Is that how you discovered the song, or did you know about the song? No, I've known the song for a long time, uh, but I listened through every episode of that podcast in order, and when they got to that episode, I was like, wow, they've really encapsulated why the song is great. Uh, one of the hosts of the show her dad was a music producer back in like the 70s and 80s in LA so he had a lot of comments about like the session musicians at the time and how the song would have been pieced together so that episode in particular is really informative as well as really entertaining and funny yeah I'll put a link in the description go check out that CD or maybe we have it on vinyl at the library or maybe even on uh Freegal maybe even on Freegal I don't know if we have that anymore I don't know edit point edit point <laughs> Sounds great. Um, I have one more thing or two more things to talk Ooh. about. So I'll just go into it right now. So 
I think I've mentioned this on previous episodes. As a matter of fact, I know I have. I've been on sort of a journey watching every Oscar Best Picture winner. Starting, I started in 1927 when it they started having this award, and we've been working my way to present. A really daunting task, honestly. Yes, I'm only watching the movies I haven't seen, so I, I I've been skipping a lot of years. So I the I think I'm up to 55 right now, and I only have like eight more to go. So I've basically seen everything after like, you know, in like the mid-70s and on. Um, But the most recent one I've seen is one that has been on my to-watch list for a long time. And I'm so happy that this task I've put on, this challenge I've I've presented myself has has finally given me an opportunity to watch it. Um, The movie is On the Waterfront with Marlon Brando. Man, this movie is good. Like, wow. Can you give like a brief synopsis of what it's about? Yeah, so Marlon Brando is kind of, he's a dock worker, and he he's kind of gotten his, mixed up in the mob a little bit. And the, 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 the inciting incident that starts off the movie is he kind of helps the mob put a hit out on a guy he get as a result of his marlon brando's actions a, a man ends up being killed by the mob and then it goes on from there where uh marlon brando meets the person who was killed's sister and sort of falls in love with her and it's a kind of about and she doesn't know that he was involved was involved at first so it's sort of like their relationship um, but then the other side of the story is the mob controls the 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 union of the dock workers, which Marlon Brando is involved with. So it's sort of about um, taking down the mob's grip on on the union that's that's putting down all the workers and everything. So that those are kind of like the two avenues of the movie that it bounces back and forth between. And Marlon Brando's kind of caught in the middle of both of those things, and it. You know, just from what I've told you right there, this you you can probably gather that this character is a very complex character. And, you know, if you do any research on this movie at all, that one of the first things I'll say is like Marlon Brando's performance in this film is like phenomenal. It was it kind of broke the mold of what acting was supposed to be like up until that point. It's kind of like a pillar of um, method acting. You, this is kind of like one of the first examples of method acting, like kind of having a huge breakthrough in in Hollywood and then after this there's a lot of like film historians talk about like there was a before on the waterfront area of film and then there was a post on the waterfront film uh kind of era and I I kind of can see that now having watched all these movies consecutively up to this point and knowing where it goes from here where this movie is just so grounded in realism and Marlon Brando's performance is a lot of it had improv, which was not done a lot in those times. So it's interesting seeing like where cinema kind of goes from here, where a lot you can kind of tell that like a lot of actors saw this and were like, "Oh, we can do that," and everyone was trying to replicate him for years to come. So yeah, it's it's a great movie. I mean, I've talked about the acting enough. The acting is phenomenal, not just for Marlon Brando, but um, the direction and the cinematography. The cinematography, especially, is like amazing like amazing amazing again it's all very grounded in reality but there's a lot of like religious uh symbolism Um, everything's shot either from really low or really high um kind of looking down on on the characters so it's kind of there's just so much i could dig into this movie but i I don't want to bore our uh our listeners but um man it's so great 
It's so great. Oh, and another thing that was kind of revolutionary about this movie is a lot of it was shot in on location, not in studios. So it just adds to like the realism and like the grittiness of this movie. And it's it's all for every you know, all of that combined, it's no wonder that like Martin Scorsese considers this like his favorite movie of all time, because like it's a very like New York, like gritty movie. So yeah, I don't know, on the waterfront. Definitely check it out if you haven't. It's a five star film for me so happy i finally got to see it it's awesome to have a sort of uh an end to older movies like that because like you mentioned i think probably for a lot of younger people uh i've seen a lot of movies that from like the 70s forward but sometimes it's hard to latch on to stuff from older movies sort of because it didn't have that realism that it's grounded in so i'm definitely going to check that one out and yeah. Having an example of a really good older movie, I, I always enjoy. Yeah. This is the second time I've kind of done this uh, similar challenge where I've started like really, really far back and worked my way forward. And it's it's really given me a, a different appreciation for, for film and how it's evolved over time. So if you're a movie buff, I, I, it's a worthwhile challenge. I mean, as everyone probably knows, the best picture winners most years, I'll say, are not the best picture of the year. And in fact, most years they outright stink. Like, I have seen some of the worst movies I've ever seen doing this challenge. But it's always counterbalanced. For every, like, three or four stinkers I see, I watch it on the waterfront. So it's been worthwhile overall. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, it's great. Okay, well, that's all we got for this episode, then. Thank you so much, Tori, for joining me again. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.